Well, uh, when I was a sophomore in college, uh, I was putting together my schedule for the spring semester, and this elective caught my eye. It was called The Nature of Existence. And I thought that sounded pretty interesting. I may be the, one of the few people in the room who thinks that sounds interesting, but it sounded cool to me. And the class was listed as kind of a higher-level philosophy class. Uh, but I signed up because it sounded cool, and I figured that I could probably write whatever flowery philosophical papers were required. Well, pretty quickly, I discovered that while it was kind of a philosophy of class, it was much more of a high-level physics class. Uh, it was a course that was structured around quantum mechanics and string theory, which are incredibly complex topics. Uh, as you can see, I'm a Methodist preacher, <laughs> not a physicist. Y'all don't have to laugh that hard, but, uh, but this class that I thought was going to have me writing papers, waxing on about life and why we are how we are, uh, was the exact opposite. It involved complicated math, and it covered theories like quantum entanglement and wave-particle duality and superposition and how human consciousness affects all of that. Point being, it was super hard. Uh, and it was not what I expected. I had, I had bitten off way more than I could chew, and I needed to drop this class. But there were a couple of problems with that. Number one, I was on scholarship, and that scholarship required that I take a certain amount of hours. Uh, and then the other problem was I had a buddy in the class who was begging me to stay. Uh, he, he said that, you know, he assured me we, we could study together. We were going to get through this class together. We would figure it out. And so I made the mistake of not withdrawing in time. It did not go well. And by the time that our final came, which was a huge portion of our grade, I had to make at least a B on that final in order to even pass this class. And so uh, the night before the test, my buddy Colin and I stayed up all night. Uh, and we, we crammed all we could, eight hours of straight information dumping. Uh, and we went in the next morning and we sat down and I got the test in front of me and it might as well have been in another language. Uh, I bombed this exam. Uh, no exaggeration. If I had to guess what I got, I would guess that I got like a 20 or a 30 on this test. And so time ran out, we turned in our booklets and I felt so discouraged. Um, I knew without a shadow of a doubt, I had failed this class. And I had never failed a class in my entire life. And so I, I immediately walk into my professor, Dr. Barry's office, and Dr. Barry was this like hip, cool, Irish physicist guy. Uh, but I knew I could talk to him. And so I went into his office and I was all worked up and I told him I tried my best. I told him, Dr. Barry, I studied all night. I tried to understand this. I just couldn't. And I told him that I, that I knew I had bombed this final. And I asked him if there was anything at all that I could do if there was any additional work or anything at all I could do to, to try and get some more credit and, and try and squeeze out even just a D in this class so that I would get some course credit. Uh, and I'll never forget what he said to me. He, he said, Sam, here's what you can do. You can take a deep breath and give yourself a break. You did your best and that's enough. 
And I didn't love that in that moment. (laughs) But the further along I get into ministry, the more that I live this life, the more that I see how absolutely massive that advice that he gave me that day was. Because now it's advice that I regularly give. It may be the most common advice that I give in my role as a pastor. I meet with people all the time who are struggling with a myriad of different things. And I find myself saying those same words over and over and over. Just give yourself a break. And look, not only is that good advice, it's also biblical advice. And we're going to see that in our scripture for tonight. Our passage comes from the very end of the book of Micah. And if you're not familiar with Micah, let me tell you a little bit about Micah. He's one of the minor prophets of the Old Testament. And he writes at a time when uh, Israel has split into two kingdoms. You have uh, the southern kingdom of Judah and the northern kingdom of Israel. And Micah lived in the southern kingdom, uh, but he prophesies to both kingdoms. And the nature of Micah's prophecy is pretty straightforward. Micah says that that Israel's leaders on both sides, both kingdoms, uh, and even the prophets, have become wealthy through greed and theft and corruption. He points out all of the the unjust economic practices that had become so commonplace. And then he warns them that soon the Assyrian Empire, and then after them the Babylonian Empire, are going to come and conquer them. And that ends up happening. And so this book is is a warning to the people about how they've sinned before God and how there is a reckoning coming. And honestly, it's kind of a sobering read. But at the very end of the book, in chapter 7, the very last chapter, something turns. In the last section of this book, Israel is personified as this broken man sitting alone in shame and defeat. And he's kind of talking to himself, and he's kind of talking to God, and he's recognizing his sin. He knows that he's messed up, and he's struggling with that. But then he begins to talk about God's character, about who God is. And this book ends on a high note. We get these these beautiful words of hope that close this book. This is the last thing Michael leaves with us. The end of the book, this, this is what the personified defeated, shame-filled version of Israel says. This is Micah 7, 18 and 19. Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over the transgression of the remnant of your possession? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in showing clemency. He will again have compassion upon us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all of our sins into the depths of the sea. Okay, this is, this is the good news of the book of Micah. So much of this book deals with the sin and the injustice that the people of Israel had been a part of, all of the mistakes that they've made. And yet the final realization, the way that this book's, book ends is by noting that our God has a heart of compassion. That he doesn't hold us in our shame. That he doesn't rub our noses in our sin. Instead, he casts it into the depths of the sea. You know, I think it's important that that Micah ended the book this way because he's trying to remind the people that, yes, we've got to be convicted of our sin. 
but also, yes, we don't have to live in the shame of that sin forever. Because God forgives. And he casts our mistakes into the depths. And so the question for us tonight, the question I want us to think about is, if, if that's what God does, that's who he is, why do we struggle so much to forgive ourselves? Why is the hardest person for me to forgive me? Why don't we give ourselves a break? It's a question I want us to consider tonight because like I said, it's, it's something that I know so many people struggle with, including myself. We struggle to forgive ourselves and that leads to shame. That's what we see in this personified version of Israel that concludes the book. He's a defeated man who's just ashamed. But shame, shame is, is a dangerous thing for us to carry around. There was a recent study done in the Journal of Psychology that, that said that those who struggle with shame issues for an extended period of time uh, had increased problems in the areas of self-esteem, emotional regulation, aggressive tendencies, and overall well-being. Shame impacts us more than we know. So it's something that we've got to be willing to tackle. But in order to do that, we need to clarify what shame is, because sometimes I think we confuse guilt and shame. Guilt is knowing that we've done something wrong. We committed some sort of offense. We did something that we need forgiveness for. To put it in short, guilt says, I did bad. But shame is a little different. Shame is that feeling that our whole self is wrong. That our entire being is an offense. Shame sticks around even well after we've been forgiven. Shame doesn't say, I did bad. Shame says, I am bad. Look, guilt is a part of life. Guilt tells us that we've made a mistake. Guilt's natural. And it's something that we think a lot about during the season of Lent that begins this week. Wednesday is Ash Wednesday, as you saw in, in the video announcements. And on Wednesday, we'll gather together and we will get ashes on our foreheads. And it's a way of remembering and recognizing our mortality and our sin. And it's an important spiritual practice. Because over the course of Lent, we remember that Christ died for all of us because we're guilty. We've all sinned. And the penalty for that sin was death until Christ came along. And he took that sin and he took that death upon himself so that we would be free. That's, that's the gospel in short. And so, yes, we're guilty. That's true. The problem comes when we let our guilt turn into shame. The problem comes when we let our I did bad become I am bad. See, shame is what happens when we don't know how to forgive ourselves. When we don't know how, how, how to move on. But we need to know tonight what Micah shares in our scripture. That our God is not a God who shames us. He's a God of compassion. What does Micah say? He doesn't retain his anger forever. He's gracious. He casts it into the sea. That's what our God is like. And we see this over and over in the Old Testament, just, just as we see it in the New Testament, in the way that Jesus treated the, the people that he encountered that needed forgiveness. You remember the story of the woman who's caught in adultery, right? There's this crowd, and they gather around, and, and they're ready to sentence her to die. 
And then Jesus shows up. And he asks the crowd what's going on. And they say that this woman is a sinner. She's guilty. We have to shame her. And Jesus says, okay, you without sin, you cast the first stone. And so they drop their stones and they walk away. But do you remember what Jesus says to this woman in, in the Gospel of John? He says, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, sir. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go your way, and from now on, do not sin again. I want you to notice something about the way he speaks to her. He doesn't shame her at all. He convicts her of her sin, and then he forgives her. And that's an important lesson for all of us. We need to learn to treat ourselves that way, too. Yes, we should actively work to eliminate sin from our lives, no doubt. But that doesn't mean that we need to shame ourselves. That doesn't mean that we need to live in it. That doesn't mean that we need to hold on to our mistakes forever and lay awake at night remembering that cringy thing that we said five years ago. I don't know about y'all, but I am so bad about that. I will lay in bed dwelling on something that I said or did when I was like 15. And I don't know why I do that. But it seems to be something that so many of us wrestle with. We struggle to let ourselves off the hook. We need to learn to forgive ourselves, to give ourselves a break. Because God doesn't want that for us. That, that's, that's what this passage from Micah is here to remind us. Israel had sinned. The leaders were corrupt. They were greedy. And Micah spends six chapters of this book pointing that out. But it's not how the book ends. He ends it with a word of hope, with a reminder that we don't have to live in the shame, uh, that they don't have to live in the shame of their failures forever. Because here's the thing about God when God forgives, it's unconditional, it's done. He takes our failures, He takes our sin, He takes our shame, and He throws it into the sea. Yes. We need to understand the reality of our guilt, but we can't let it become shame. We can't let I've done bad become I am bad. The great lesson of our scripture, the great lesson of Micah, is that no matter how far we get from God, no matter how much we mess up, God's love is always bigger than all of it. God's compassion is always bigger than all of it. And when we finally let ourselves feel that, when we finally own that and learn to give ourselves a little grace to let go of the shame that we carry around, there is an incredible freedom in that. Uh, I want to show you all a really beautiful example of someone finding that freedom from shame. It's from a few years ago, uh, and this video we're going to watch, uh, it's, it's four minutes, so it's a little longer than the average video that I show, but... Um, but it's, it comes from when they were trying to get the musical The Greatest Showman greenlit by movie studios. And, and you may have seen this video, but it's the iconic song from the movie. And if you're not familiar with the movie or if you're not familiar with its premise, it, the movie's about P.T. Barnum, who started the original circus. And in that circus, he had all of these people who had rough backgrounds, who came from poverty. Uh, they had all sorts of things that, that made them kind of outcast in their society. Uh, it was this big group of people who struggled with, frankly, shame. And this particular song is sung by the actress who plays the bearded lady. 
And it, this, this song and this video, it's, it's this great anthem of dispelling shame and living in freedom. And so anyway, let's watch. I, I hope you enjoy it. It's made me cry three times this week. Benjamin and Justin have just written this new song called This Is Me. And uh, we knew that it was going to be the anthem of the film, um, but no one had heard it before. And no one had heard Kiala sing it live. And Kiala, who I didn't even want to come out from behind the music stand. I didn't. I, I kept saying to her, just step out, because this is your moment, and you have to step out into the ring, metaphorically, because that's what you're doing. And you got to stand right there in front of everyone and just belt this out. And I didn't want to. In fact, I stood behind that music stand yeah. until the day of that presentation. There was a moment in the song that I actually was so scared that I had to actually grab Hugh's hand so that I had somebody to hold on to. And then we got to the end of the number and all I remember is just deafening, deafening applause. It was a sort of otherworldly experience. It was one of those moments that will stay with me the rest of my life. Unfortunately, we filmed it. I'm a stranger to the dark. Hide away, they say, cause we don't want your broken parts. I've learned to be ashamed of all my scars. Run away, they say, no one will love you as you are. But
that earlier this weekend at a coffee shop, and I was crying, and the guy across from me was kind of working on his computer, just wondering what was going on with me. Uh, but there is something holy about that video to me. Uh, there is something sacred that happens in that room. All of these people belting out how they are beloved. All of these people singing at the top of their lungs that they are not going to let shame dictate their lives. I, I show you that video because I want the same thing for all of us. You deserve to give yourself a break. You deserve the freedom that comes from forgiving yourself. You deserve to step out from behind the music stand and stop living in shame. Because Jesus loves you more than you can possibly imagine. Every mistake that you've ever made, every mistake that you will ever make, he gave his life for. And he did it because he loves you. He did it because he wants you to experience the same beautiful, sacred freedom that we see in that video. Yes, our God is a God who convicts us of sin, who calls us to be better, but he is not a God who rubs our noses in our mistakes. He's a God who over and over again shows us grace. He's a God who wants us to show ourselves some grace. He's a God who did exactly what my professor, Dr. Barry, did. I told you earlier uh, that I left that day after bombing my exam knowing that I was going to have a giant F on my transcript. But when grades got posted a couple of weeks later, that's not what happened. My grade in, in the nature of existence, my grade in this physics class that I frankly had, no, <laughs> I, I should not have been there. But my grade was a B plus. And I did not earn that <laughs> at all. Uh, Dr. Barry did that for me. He gave me a break, even when I couldn't give myself one. And y'all, that's what God does. Even when we make mistakes, even when we fail, he shows us grace. He gives us a B plus when we deserve an F. God does that for us because that's who he is. And so we need to learn to do it for ourselves too. Because listen, if you hear nothing else from this sermon, hear this. You are so loved. And you are forgiven. And you deserve to stop dwelling on all of your past failures because you know what? God's not dwelling on them. Like Micah says, all of those things that keep you up at night, they're already at the bottom of the sea. Hallelujah. Amen. Will you pray with me? Lord, we confess that sometimes the hardest person we will ever have to forgive or ever tried to forgive is ourselves. Lord, sometimes we, we cling to things and we beat ourselves up. Lord, remind us that that is not your heart for us. You are a God who is slow to anger and righteous and gracious and merciful and compassionate. Lord, every one of us has messed up. Every one of us has fallen short and every one of us will again. But remind us tonight that you're the judge, not us. Remind us that you call us back, that you tell us that you love us, that you pick us up and, and tell us to try again.
Lord, we don't want to be a people who sit in shame. We want to be a people who are free, who can declare that, that we are who we are, that we are broken and that we are also beloved. Jesus, we love you and we thank you. We pray all of this in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss new releases. We'll have new podcasts coming out all the time. Be sure to check us out online at whiteschapelumc.com. Please download the WC Life app and follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things WC.